Welcome to the Blockchain and Healthcare Today Platform Approaches Journal podcast series. This is where research and innovation collide. Today, our guests are Christian Wiring, PhD, Customer Success Manager at Sverity, and David Kessler, President of Logism. They discuss why industry standards matter in fulfilling the intent of DSCSA. Now let's listen in and learn where the market's heading. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Hey, David. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's always nice to speak with you. Likewise. So, thank you. I just wanted to say hello to everyone. Just uh, also a quick thank you and shout out to BHTY for allowing Chris and I to to speak on this podcast today. Um, With BHTY being the the leading international journal focused on healthcare and technology innovations, we we certainly feel very privileged uh, to bring some content to you all today around the subject of standards and regulatory compliance in the DSCSA healthcare space. So with that said, Chris, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm Dr. Chris Werlich. I currently work as a customer success manager at a German startup called Sverity. Sverity builds decentralized identity management solutions. And I've entered this software space taking a rather scenic route. Um, I worked in as a, as a biomedical researcher uh, in scientific consultancy in oil and gas industry, and I've even worked in financial statement audit. How about your background, David? Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Hello. My name is David Kessler. I'm a co-owner and president of the company Legisum. My background for the last 27 years has been in the technology and business management space. Started uh, my career uh, in technology with uh, database design, networking, uh, website development types of areas, and transitioned uh, into the ERP systems world, uh, spending the next 14 years working with supply chain uh, systems and companies. Managed projects uh, and implementations, uh, as well as sales operations to wholesalers, uh, distributors, uh, manufacturers throughout the U.S. and internationally. After serving in different executive sales and operational roles for several technology companies, I joined my current business partners um, at Legisum in 2009. Since that time, we've helped uh, grow the business into the leading provider of SaaS-based compliance solutions for this pharmaceutical uh, industry and companies uh, throughout the United States. So when we first uh, said hello this morning, I, I uh, also mentioned uh, DSCSA. So it might be good to kind of define uh, what we're going to talk about today. So, so let me do that real quick. There's something called the Drug Quality and Security Act. That's DQSA. And it was enacted by Congress 10 years ago, uh, back in November of uh, 2013. So near exactly uh, 10 years ago. And so you might be familiar with that. Um, Also, there is something called uh, Title II of DQSA, and that is the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, which I was referring to as DSCSA. And that outlines steps to achieve interoperable electronic tracing of products uh, at the package level to identify uh, tracing certain prescription drugs as they are distributed throughout the United States. And the idea behind this is it, it will enhance FDA's ability 
to help protect consumers from exposure to drugs that may be counterfeit or stolen, contaminated in any way, um, basically anything that might be harmful to us. Uh, in these requirements, um, it'll also improve detection uh, and removal of potentially dangerous drugs from the drug supply chain uh, for U.S. consumers. And so that's really the goal of this um, and, and really why it's uh, you know, so important to, to focus in on. Um, Chris, would you mind uh, kind of giving us an update of, of where we are today after these last 10 years? Yeah. So we are in a bit of a funny period right now because the DCSA as a law is now fully enforceable since the 27th of November, 2023. However, FDA announced a couple of months ago that the agency will not take enforcement action on certain requirements within this law for another 12 months. And they call this period the stabilization period. So this means that um, whilst, whilst there's no enforcement on, on certain requirements, that's important to note, uh, other requirements have already been enforceable for a while, for a few years. And um, also it means that not everyone has to follow FDA's lead. So it's only the agency announced this. Um, some uh, state regulators followed suit, uh, others might not, other organizations like PBMs or even uh, trading partners might not follow this. So whichever organization has a right or some interest in like auditing their supply chain partners based on DSCSA, in principle, they can do this now and then use whatever leverage they have over the auditee to uh, react to non-compliance. So that's why it's, it's it's a funny period because it's a bit of a gray zone uh, in, in certain respects. Mm. Now, you might wonder why FDA decided to go this way. Basically, they have assessed what the industry has done over these last 10 years and realized that certain requirements, especially the ones around the Enhanced Drug Distribution Security, short EDDS, are very demanding. And FDA said, okay, we acknowledge you've worked hard on this, but you're not quite there yet. So we're going to give you 12 more months time. And part of this is also to avoid serious disruption to the drug supply chain so that patients can still get access to drugs, to safe drugs as well, um, while the, the companies are still switching over and getting fully compliant. Uh, what was also clear from FDA's announcement is that they do expect every trading partner to work towards this compliance in this year. So it's not a period to put your feet up because you got a breather. The, the breather is there exactly to get organized, test the systems, and make it all work to be ready then on 27th of November in 2024. Now, you might wonder why this is such a big deal why when you know, why this EDDS um, stuff is, is causes so much complication, and the the reason is the, the decentralized nature of the U.S. Uh, pharmaceutical supply chain. Now, what I, what do I mean with decentralized? In this case, I'm referring to two two main aspects. The the, the EDDS requirements focus on sort of electronic product information exchange. 
the product information doesn't sit in a single database. It sits in uh, different databases that are managed by manufacturers mainly. So that's a challenge to tap into these different database systems. And the other decentralized aspect of, of this structure in, in the supply chain is that everyone uses different systems and different service providers. So a pharmacy system will differ from a manufacturer system, for example, because they, they have been built to cater for very different needs. But now they are being asked to be compatible with each other to enable this data exchange. Mm -hmm. And to achieve this is no mean feat, but that's exactly what DSA is asking for by requesting for interoperability between all these systems. So it, it sounds like with with all of the EDDS uh, requirements um, in these different systems and uh, how decentralized uh, they are, um, there must be some need to standardize, um, I guess, the exchange of information here in some ways. Is that something you can touch on as well? Yeah, you, you're hitting the nail on the head there, David. So I see it in the way that the, the stabilization period is really now a time for the standards that have been developed to prove that they're living up to practice to enable this, this interoperability. Uh, maybe we should quickly explain what, uh, what's, what we mean by standards. So specifically, mm -hmm. we're referring to technology standards. So it's basically common rule sets that tell service providers and you know, technology builders how to build the products. Um, you might want to think of um, email as an analogy. So I could have like a Microsoft Outlook account and, and you could have a, a Gmail account and still we can send each other emails, no bother. We can even send each other calendar invites and things. And, and that's only possible because at some point in time, somebody sat down and thought, you know, thought about how, how this should all be structured. And then people agreed that this is, you know, this is a suitable way to do it and, and, and everyone followed suit. And the similar thing basically happened in, in this 10 year preparation period in, in the run up to the DSCSA deadline. Now, getting to this point is again, no mean feat. So what, from my perspective, from, from my experience being involved in, in these standardization processes a little bit, uh, what I've observed is that there are two main approaches to, to such a challenge. Organizations have come together and looked at what standards exist already. So they looked at W3C, NIST, GS1, for example, these are longstanding you know, trusted standard setters and picked standards that were available already. And then other standards had to be newly developed. So I, I know that GS1, for example, has also specifically for DSCSA developed new standards on message exchanges. And then the, the second big approach, or yeah, the second approach to, to this challenge of, of how do we get to standards was that new organizations have been born out of the, the necessity created by DSCSA. And one of them, for example, is the um, Partnership for DSCSA Governance, in short PDG. And another one is OCI, the Open Credentialing Initiative. And again, these are not, 
technically these are not standard setters like like GS1 or, or NIST, but these are organizations that have developed shared guidelines for industry to observe, to help align uh, what's what needs to be done and also to fit in these existing standards from NIST and stuff. So to, they basically decided on how can we make the existing standards um, useful for the purpose of DCSA. So um, that's maybe all a bit abstract. David, you are involved in PDG and OCI. Would you mind explaining to us how you have seen this all happen? Sure. Yeah. We. Thanks for that that overview of of how those uh, standards are are helping, and and certainly um, our contribution around that has been you know very focused in the in the area of um, of due diligence and compliance and. Um, and the reason for that um, is, you know, kind of like what you talked about, we, we have standards out there, we have um, some different guidelines. Uh, one of the ones that, that you mentioned was was NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, it's a, you know, it, it's certainly a standard that's very um, widely adopted um, in, the, in the pharmaceutical space, healthcare space. Um, and so, yes, we were we were leveraging some of those things that were already out there um, to do a couple things. And so um, certainly the system um, compatibility so that data exchanges can happen, that that certainly is um, very important. Um, we were utilizing um, a verifiable credential um, and you know, I could probably expand on that a little bit, but basically the, the idea that you know, data can be exchanged within a, a payload that can be trusted and verified and um, can have expirations and revocations and things around it. So, um, so that when someone's looking at it, um, they know that you know, it's, it's valid. But you know, a very important part of what we're doing and how we're utilizing those, those different organizations or standards that you mentioned um, is in the area of, of trust. And that's where authentication and authorization really, really touch. And so as part of um, DSCSA, um, there's a uh, ATP status that has to be proven. And ATP status is an authorized trading partner status. And depending on the role that you might be in the supply chain, a manufacturer, wholesaler, uh, retailer, um, you know, so I could be a pharmacy or a large manufacturer or something in the middle where I'm moving product as a distributor. Um, all of those different roles um, have um, been defined with certain criteria that would allow them to be um, an authorized uh, trading partner. So uh, typically this is some type of licensing information at the state level or registration information at the federal and state level. Um, and so um, that authorization that takes place um, is how these different data exchanges um, using again those standards that you mentioned, Chris, um, how those data sets can be can be moved within the within the supply chain. So maybe someone's asking a question and getting a response. Um, and to do that, they both parties need to be sure that they're authorized trading partners. And so um, that's great and that that can be done. Um, but we also have an issue with authentication. And this is because of the decentralized aspect that you talked about. So 
Um, certainly there are trading partners that um, move product from A to B, right? So they are direct trading partners. They know each other. They've um, exchanged uh, information and product, um, purchase orders and invoices and, you know, financial data, all sorts of stuff um, over the years. But then there's also relationships that are out there that are indirect um, so that maybe someone at the retail level, uh, say a pharmacy, might need to ask a question to a manufacturer that they don't buy from. Uh, because they they don't go direct, right? They go through their wholesaler or a secondary distributor or, or someone else um, in order to move that product through the supply chain and get to them. And so um, in, in this case where there's an indirect uh, relationship there, uh, certainly you need to prove that you know who you're talking to. Um, and again, by regulation from a DSCSA standpoint, you need to make sure that they're authorized, right? That ATP status. Um, but that authentication is where we lean on those NIST standards uh, that we've been mentioning. And that's to make sure that there's a level of trust that can be established so that when someone says, this is who I am, um, you can trust that. And so it's a certain amount of due diligence that has to be done in order to get to that level of trust. And what's been said is actually um, an assurance level two. Uh, so that's the, basically the highest level that, that you can have of, of establishing identity uh, without actually being face-to-face -face with somebody. And so um, basically that authentication lets us know that, yes, indeed, this is who we expect to be um, exchanging information with, and they are authorized. They do have ATP status. And because that can now be packaged with a um, verifiable credential in a way that can be interoperable with other systems, now um, this decentralized um, you know, approach here um, has now established trust um, between the authentication and authorization areas. Um, and now the, the data can flow and you can trust what you're doing, because if not, then you have to fall back into some other type of alternative process where you're maybe manually checking something. And you can imagine that's that's pretty time consuming and, and it certainly has its own risk around it. So um, that that's really what we're doing in the um, due diligence and verifiable credential space and how we're, we're working with those different um, standard bodies uh, to make sure that it's all interoperable. Yeah, that's super interesting. And and you can really see how beautiful a use case that is for verifiable credentials because they can really sure. help. And, and, and yeah, they can really like help you automate regulatory compliance and, and get rid of, of a lot of like heart, headache and heartache, I would think, um, mm -hmm. considering the compliance departments. And it also, and thanks to, and it, it's, it's kind of cool how, how people came together to develop these standards to, to enable that um, uh, in interoperability, this compatibility across the whole supply chain network, because then this is this is just a tech layer, and, and now all these trading partners need to develop their processes and SOPs and what what not on top of that uh, to make it all flow nicely. But the, the tech builds here a really good foundation, right? And absolutely. What, and another aspect I see, another benefit of, of the standards here I see is that they create an, an open market. Like anyone who has access to standards uh, can choose to comply with them. And then 
provide a service that is compatible and in that sense is also um, in, in, in the spirit of DSCSA, right? And the, the, the more freely and openly available these standards are, um, the, the lower the barrier of entry is for those service providers. So I know through my involvement with OCI, like the, those standards or those guidelines that say are freely available through the website and W3C standards are also freely available. So that, that's a super foundation for, for technology to evolve as well. And, and also for like platform approaches to, to come into being. Yeah, agreed for sure. Um, and, you know, just to kind of conclude here, I, I think, you know, when, you know, FDA and, um, and these regulations have been in, you know, um, in the space now for, for 10 plus years, um, the real driver here is um, a, a consumer need has been solved, right? I mean, the the idea that patients can trust the the drugs that they're receiving because they can trust the the um, the, the security around that supply chain, you know, that's really paramount here. And so, um, yeah. you know, this is how you know that's being delivered is through um, the standards, through the technology, and like you said, uh, allowing um, individual trading partners now to to wrap their policies and procedures um, around that um, so that they can deliver on that secure supply chain, meet the requirements that are in DSCSA. So um, it, it certainly drives home the idea that, that you know, we, we all want to be able to trust the, um, the drugs that we were able to get from our, our doctor or our pharmacy. So yeah. uh, thanks, Chris. This was, this was fun. It was a great discussion and uh, certainly, um, you know, want to again thank um, blockchain and, and healthcare today, uh, BHTY, uh, for allowing us to, to come and, and speak today. Yeah, big thanks from me as well to, to you and the journal. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate you tuning in to BHTY's podcast series. Want to learn more or have a comment about the program? Do you have a novel topic or solution to share with our audience? If so, send an email to info at partnersindigitalhealth.com or visit the open access peer-reviewed Blockchain and Healthcare Today Platform Approaches Journal. Thanks for listening.